Yo, 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 everybody. Welcome to G.I. Joburg, a podcast that uh, has its origins in South Africa, but has gone multinational. My name is Steve. I'm sitting in Brisbane. It's just gone 6 a.m. And I will be your host on this adventure entitled Shake Down the Heavens. Yes, we're talking the legendary issue 34, Shakedown, from Marvel Comics. We're also talking about an episode of the Sunbow era called Haul Down the Heavens, written by Chuck Dixon. It's a classic, maybe not as classic as issue 34, but it's pretty damn good. We've also got another comic book in the mix and lots of art. So to help me on this quest, I've got my good buddy, Paul. Hello, Paul. Hello. Hey, everybody. Um... It's super hot here. I'm waiting for my brain to like stop melting so that I can think about you. <laughs> and our awesome US correspondent returning to the show after a long hiatus. It's the one, the only, the enigma, the man, the myth, the legend, Cujo. I have returned. <laughs> I have children. Jeez, dude. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Cage style. For those of you listening along, Kuja's got the most outrageous specs on. Nice. Mirror shades, bringing it back, huh? Got to do it. Ever since I moved mm. to the mountains, I'm a Mr. Shades guy all the time. It is what it is, guys. I apologize. Those are coming back. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like I saw them in... They uh, never left. Post. Come on. Well... <laughs> They didn't really leave and that, you know, there was always like one or two guys that were reliving their childhood wearing them while, you know, with tight shirts and whatever. But now like a lot of kids are wearing them and I'm like, oh, if you only knew. <laughs> well, I no longer have the title as the crazy or the nicest hair on the team. Thanks for stealing that, Paul. Looking good. Oh, Oh, shut up, dude. No, man, your, your locks are still great, bro. Don't, don't be like that. Don't, don't dust your locks. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's good to be back with you, gentlemen. And of course, everybody that can hear me, uh, it's always an honor and a pleasure. Enough pleasantries. One more pleasantry. We'd like to uh, just say hello to everybody in the live chat at the moment. Yeah. Spoon Killer, Christoph, Brick Fiction, Mark van Leeuwen, and Darren Cobb. Bob Squad's there. Great. And we've got 14 people with eyes on us at the moment. That number will just grow. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us live. And thank you for listening to us on the repeat if you are doing so on YouTube or your podcatcher of choice. And with that out of the way, gents, the agenda. I think we should um, crack open some Joe Vember art. What say you, Cooge? Yeah. Right, you nice. are. Uh, well, every year I turn up... Um... There's a hashtag called Jovember. Uh, of course, you guys are going to remember who started that back in the day, if that's important. But uh, essentially, Indies turn up with Joe Art. I think I sent you a couple of those for folks who have been going hard this month. So we should probably appreciate those. Cool. So first up, we've got Maddie Comics, at Maddie Comics. Kujo, tell us all about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I do my cherry picking from Twitter, so I'll pull some favorites of the people uh, in the in the crowd, etc. I know Steven's a good uh, Hydro Viper fan. Um, I just like That'll how people nice reach, sticker. and uh, it, it doesn't have to be special. Um, <laughs> but if the art's clean, it, it, you know, if the art the lines are clean, you know where you're taking your lines. I like it. Um, so we're gonna give some love to Maddie Comics on Twitter. Cheers, man. 
Hmm, Matty comics were very cool Hydra Viper. I like the fact that he's got the um the the BCD or the sort of the the, the I don't know, his the waistcoat for lack of a better term um of the Hydra Viper picked out in black, which makes a break from it being all purple like on the action figure and puts it in line with the card art. Very cool. True, true. Uh, of course, I had to break out airtight because of our man, Gary. What's up, Gary? Um, <laughs> he's a fan. But, uh, yeah, mostly um, I wanted to pull this. I, I, I like the eyes, um, and that'll be a continuing theme. Cheers. Cheers, guys. And it's specifically Tiger Force airtight, which, I mean, if I knew my International Joes better, I'd know the actual local name for. <laughs> but I don't. I do know that Tiger Force Shipwreck is uh, Marujo, but the only reason I know that is because Paul's got him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, not actual Marujo. That would be amazing. But I've got the cool modern era version. Correct. Uh, which is, yeah. Thanks to Steve. <laughs> we switch Ooh. up artists now. Who's this guy, Kujo? Oh, we're getting tasty. Let me see uh, if I can go back and find that real quick. Steven, you got his name for me? I could tell you, break the suspense. We've oh got I'm at say, Vanguard Comic. Mm -hmm. um, I, sh I should know these handles a bit better. But what I like about this is he's kind of taken each character and given it their own font style. Um, I think that's mm. an interesting twist. That's more kind of like uh, Masters of the Universe vibe a little bit. But he did. He got some, he got some good character out of these, uh, these guys. This is good vile card art. Um, if anybody's listening. And it is Zartan clutching mm -hmm. at a mask. He's just peeled off his face. I like the fact that this seems to be either motion lines or is that adhesive? Kind of it's like an adhesive. His... It's kind of it's <laughs> dropping some goop off it, which, yeah, I suppose would be realistic. I don't know what he used to, to stick the mask to his face, but he's got the most maniacal grin and even a little bit of facial fuzz. That's a unique mm. look for Zartan. Doesn't often have a, a goatee mm -hmm. of his own. <laughs> Next up, also from at Vanguard, uh, we've got Alpine. Oh, I'm going to draw your attention to that font, guys. Look at how tasty mm. that is. Um, yeah, that is very tasty. That's a good one. He's, he's a good storyteller with his artwork. Um, each character is reacting. I like it. Yeah. Also, some of that file card vibe. It always felt like the characters weren't just blank slate artist renderings. They all had a kind of a, a context that they were operating within. And Alpine was a cool yeah. one because he, didn't he actually have a bit of mountain that he was scrambling up on the card art? Indeed. Mm -hmm. Well, here he's kind of scoping out the mountain in the distance and readying his rope and his pick. Very True. cool. Oh, <laughs> love this. Oh. <laughs> oh, burglar. Um, cool. I don't well, think... The uh, artist's name? Anybody is... in the tweets, Tim Shin is no stranger to Joe Art, uh, yeah. but he does turn up on the regular. So I'll throw this out there just like I always do. Guys, we got friends all over the world. Get them a $10 piece of digital art. Some, so draw, draw your friend as a Joe figure. They're not going to be mad at that. Um, it helps out community. But of course, we got Word Burglar who just dropped that new single. Um, I forget what it's called, 1980 or something? Um, 1984. 1984. Oh, damn. Sorry, word. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Berg. You on um, the way there. Yeah, yeah. But no, well, it's, uh, it's, it's Rap Viper, his sort of Rap Viper persona and yeah. like 
outfit mm-hmm. um, being sort of positioned front and center and behind him were the members of Cold Slither. So this is a an awesome smash up of like real and made up and all of the sort of genres that G.I. Joe had. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Moving right along. Yes, sir. Another Tim Shin. Of course. That's at Tim Shin73 if you want to look him up on the Twitter. Hey, if you got the eyes, you got me. And if you're going to do eels, lest we forget, everybody loves eels. So there's a crowd pleaser. Good stuff, Tim. Cheers, man. Mm, A nice close crop of an eel underwater with his knife drawn, looking off to something and conjuring up some dangerous activities. True. Okay. I think this is our second to last. It is. It is. Contributor. Um, I want to get this name right for several reasons, but mostly because uh, he's going to end up in one of my comics one day. Uh, I commissioned some art from him back in the day, mm. uh, Spilt Ink. Um, he has some tasty interpretations, uh, all black and white, um, at Hal Phoenix. So you if go. you're out there, brother, I salute you. Um, I see that cross hatching. I see your line work. And of course, I'm going to allude to Shakedown. Mm, it's Wild Weasel giving his final salute, presumably at Ace, if this is indeed intended to be that panel from Shakedown. Yeah, man, we're going to get into that uh, not too long from now. Mm-hmm. What else has this guy got? Oh, wow. It's you know uh, Rosie the Riveter. <laughs> Except it's nice, not. Steven. Nice, yeah. brother. That's a things. pull from the things. Southern Hemisphere right there. I see you. <laughs> um, no, yeah, he uh, masked some of that art. Yeah, I'm into it. Give me, give me something. You know, that's where we're at. Good job, good stuff. So, in the place of Rosie the Riveter, he's got Viper. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who? I mean, I know it's just a, a straight up reuse of the Jinx body, but like nothing about that mold screams gearhead to me. Nope. Mm. Nope. So you've got to really work against your outfit to try and convince me that Viper is indeed you know, at home in the motor pool. Let's move on to your last pick. Well, yes, he did. (laughs) That did it. Nice. Um, Codename Molrat. Who's this by? You you guys all know Classified has dropped some uh, original characters at this point. Mm -hmm. Molrat's inspired to me. He has some glow-in-the-dark features uh, coming off his eyes and stuff. I just kind of have this uh, shot in my head. I think somebody did it with toys. Somebody had a toy rat with him. I looked on the box and he doesn't come with a rat, which is a shame. But uh, yeah, he does here. Uh, giving some love to some ugliness. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do. Mm-hmm. do you regard these guys as sentient or are they some kind of mindless cannon fodder? I think you have to uh, with Mole Rat just because uh, his unique uh, eye pus and all that, all that <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> If you got a so bunch of those you... guys, then the Cobra Docs aren't handling their business. So right, so he's really unique cool. in your book. So. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and does that conclude our sampling of Joe Vamba picks? Cooch? It does, but I mean, the month isn't over. If you're out there, you're an artist. Yeah, turn up, man. I'll put you in front of a few thousand folks. Outstanding. <laughs> Right, gents, we have a decision to make. Are we talking cartoons or comic books? I think it's good. Com- I want to go comic books first. 
that's okay. I know, unusual, it's a twist. I think the meatiest <laughs> discussion will probably be about issue 34. So let's be crowd pleasers and get stuck into it. Unless anyone mm -hmm. else has anything they'd like to put in front of the agenda. Um, maybe, maybe I'm just gonna throw a bit of a spanner in the works here. Um, for 34, you do wanna mix 34 and 280, right? Correct. Okay, cool. Now I just wanna just make sure, just wanted to just, if yeah. you are following along with G.I. Joburg's strange approach to rereading the series, um, you're going to notice that 34 is coming out of left field. Like, we are not there in our reread. We're at issue 11, actually. But we couldn't miss the opportunity to read the issue that immediately is then followed onto in the modern era. Because I think in 20, was it 20, hmm, 2021, when they were doing the untold tales larry made the decision to kickstart 280 issue 280 at the end point of issue 34 so where 34 ends and the two planes part company both pretty stricken um 280 picks up immediately thereafter with uh, baroness and wild weasel so wow Talk about um, getting around to it eventually. I mean, th these stories are essentially 35 years apart um, and they have direct continuity with each other. So let's see how they stitch together, how well or how poorly they do that job. But, and how necessary yeah. it is. <laughs> oh, dear. Paul's going to be um, brutal as always. Look forward to that. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, does anyone want to take a crack? Kuj, you're familiar with 34. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what happens in this issue, your take? Hmm. Well, 34, I guess I remember it from the outset, is just being a, a, an, an issue where uh, the writer respects both, both the uh, quote-unquote good guys and bad guys at the same time. And I think that makes uh, G.I. Joe a complex series in a lot of ways. So that's right off the front. That's what I'm going to say. It's, a, it's an issue that features both people uh, doing what they're good at and uh, respecting both at the same time. Outstanding. Yeah, we got this parallel story between the Joes, Ace and Lady J, taking off in the Sky Striker from Maguire Air, Air Force Base, and Wild Weasel and the Baroness taking off from a, a Rattler from the Springfield Municipal Airport. They meet each other in the skies, somewhere over the United States, a epic dogfight ensues with lots of technical details being dropped. I mean, this was like an instructional manual for us as kids. It's sort of the, the basics, I suppose, of, of dogfighting um, and all the kind of modern equipment that, uh, that air, aircraft are, are, are carrying, warfare aircraft. Uh, it ends with a stalemate after going through multiple waves of of maneuvering and firing weapons and epic acrobatics uh and of course the women lay into the men about letting the other guy go away get away and we'll get into that that sort of last moment but uh there seems to be a mutual respect between the two pilots they're both taking mm. their best shots and neither has managed to score a definitive victory so off they go um Right, Paul, your first blush for this episode, <clears throat> this issue. Ooh, um, yeah. So uh, this this issue is very much like a one part weird Gundam tribute, mm. uh, and and hear me out. Yeah, because I'm not saying Larry Hammer is a fan of Gundam. 
um, or anything like that. But there's a lot of stuff in here that is in Gundam as well. So you got your two, you got two like characters that are like very highly skilled. They uh, attack each other. There's no real good guy or bad guy, if you know what I mean. It just becomes like two, you know, highly skilled guys in the sky or in the battlefield doing their thing, uh, trying their best not to uh, create any more collateral damage. And then, you know, they, there's a narrative that's going on through the action. And then it ends off with, um, well, you know, they salute each other. There's no more having to kill each other kind of thing. There's no, oh, I hate you or whatever. And that's very, like, very Gundam-esque. <laughs> also, Wild Weasel being red. Um, I know that that was done as a nod to the Red um, Baron. But also in Gundam terms, it's also um, Shaw is also red as a nod to the red baron so there's like these kind of you know there's a bit of a simulacro <laughs> going on there mm. um other than that i mean i'm just you know being cheeky there but i do feel like this is one of the best um sort of narratives in comic books i know there's been tons um but this is one of the best like action narratives in comic books like it's i i i, I don't know how to put it across better than that like you know from the from from the man who brought you issue 21 which is amazing because it's got no speech bubbles i think this book would have been amazing had it not had any speech bubbles either and it's amazing with speech bubbles it's just it's such a great you know narrative piece it's well as i say the technical details are something that's like i know i as a child would have clung to because it was the 80s or in our case the 90s information wasn't as readily available at our fingertips. If we wanted to know how fighter planes operated, you know, there wasn't a, a YouTube video or a couple thousand mm. on, on, on the internet that we could watch. And encyclopedias were fuddy-duddy and in many cases out of date. You know, the information they had was very finite, <laughs> extremely limited. Mm. Um, so unless you had sort of specialized books that you managed to take out of the library... You were strapped. Um, so Larry presents a lot of information here, some which wouldn't have permeated our, our child brains, some that would, some we'd have some kind of grasp of. Either way, these are the kind of things that on the playground I would have been insisting everyone adhered to. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> Buzzkill. You can't see me because you haven't switched on your radar, and I haven't switched on my radar yet, so we're still flying around the skies searching for each other visually. Um, Why would you be yeah. flying without your radar on, though? Just Well, he explains <laughs> it in this issue. It's like two yeah. gunfighters in a darkened room with armed with uh, pistols and flashlights. As long as you don't switch on your flashlight, you're safe. So, yeah, if you, are, if you have an active radar, you're also able to be tracked. That's no, kind of the, the philosophy here. Of course, they set up the distinction between uh, heat seekers and radar guided missiles and that heat seekers can be thrown off by um flares barbecue yeah a hot yeah. <laughs> heat source and that um radar guided missiles are, are thrown off by rapid blooming chaff or in the case of wild weasel can be thrown off by <laughs> by shooting the ground and having a lot of debris get thrown up in the way of the uh, the missiles which seems like a pretty ballsy move like okay we're gonna avoid a missile by by basically blowing up the ground in front of us and like flying through the debris field. Okay. You know how a yeah. jet turbine works, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah uh turkey what what is a bird strike i mean it yeah i wonder i wonder what a bird strike is for when you take in debris through the turbine scrap metal strike um probably yeah rod wiggum on odd chores here this must have been one of his first for joe uh, i mean we haven't gotten to it in our reread just yet but he's just knocking it out of the park the amount of technical detail that he's doing and just rendering the planes panel to panel Though I will say he's a little bit more successful with the Rattler. And I like the kind of the oversized nature of the Rattler. Pushes it more towards the A10 in terms of its dimensions. I mean, you can see mm -hmm. it in the, sort of the initial panels mm -hmm. where they're walking to it and climbing inside. That's, you know, it's, it's definitely bigger than the toy dimensions. Um, but I say he's more successful with the Rattler because sometimes, now aviation nuts are going to hopefully back me up on this, sometimes the Sky Striker, instead of looking like a, an F-14 Tomcat, looks more like an F-15 Eagle. Yep, and it's got that. a lot to do with the spacing of the engines. Sometimes they're really tight together. Mm -hmm. um, like that panel. I mean, yeah, this is a hopeless nitpick. Like He does it exceptionally well for the most part. But yeah, there's a certain geometry to the F-14 that sets it apart. It's the spacing of those engines. And also when you see a sort of a front-on shot, and he does this a couple of times, um, the F-14 yeah. has this kind of dip um, as the the lines move towards the uh, the nose cone. Whereas the, the F-15 is a much squarer profile. What is cool, though... Um on all of these shots though is how well designed they are so for example just this page is just is is beautiful like everything that's happening with regards to the action like technical things aside and 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 i must be honest like i know what the two jets look like i'm quite you know intimately familiar with both of their designs at least visually um but it never once like bugged me that that it looked a bit f15-ish i was just like Oh my word! That sky striker cutting through at a diagonal—it's just amazing. Mm. Oh my word! It's, it's just coming like at us trying in to get in, clouds. Yeah, just trying to get yeah. um, like details on jet fighters in the eighties. Oh, totally. I'm sure getting mm. reference pictures wasn't the easiest thing for Mister Wiggum. I mean, perhaps um, Larry sent him a bunch of stuff, but you don't get mm. the plane from every single an angle. And unless he had a sky striker toy to hand, which maybe might have been very difficult at the point uh, in time when this was written and illustrated. Um, totally, man. Yeah, you, you had to like kind haul of your ass having to... to make it up. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you had to go and haul your ass off to like archives or, you know, if you knew somebody that had like stock footage or whatever, or you had to go to the library or a bookshop or something or buy a model kit or something, you know, it was not easy. And I, and I, and the irony here is that I'm sure it is easier to find F-14 than it was for the A-10 or for the for the Rattler, you know, reference, to be fair. Because the A-10, I don't know, just I don't remember it being as well, um, I don't want to say as well publicized. Just remember as a kid, maybe it was just because we had kid goggles on and we just saw F-14s all the time, mm. <laughs> you know. Um, the A-10 was sexy enough to be out there. Oh, no, the A-10 totally. Yeah, I mean, I, but I remember that like for me as a '90s thing. You know, I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I remember that in like primary school, not preschool. This F-14, I saw pretty early in, on in my life, and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> <But also laughs> macros, you know. Oh, of course, yes. 
Well, yeah, that swing wing design was just iconic. A lot of pop culture trying to latch onto just that Tomcat cool. Somebody put on the battle damage plates. <laughs> Amazing how much damage these aircraft can sustain. If we skip towards the end and mm. they're going head to head and both of them unloading with their guns. I mean, <laughs> you you catch like a half a second burst in your aircraft and you're out of the fight. You're going down in flames. Um, they seem to just drill away at each other's cockpits and these planes both are able to still limp off. Incredible. Um, the redundancies are insane. Well, <laughs> it's Allegedly. creative license. Like with of everything course. else in this book, it's it's taking it to the, the comic book extreme just for, for drama and... You know, because it, it is, as I said before, a funny book for kids. Um, don't get too hung up on the realism. Don't let it get in the way of an exciting, thrilling ride. But yeah, I've been watching a lot of uh, digital combat simulation. Uh, you might have heard this before if you've been listening to G.I. Joburg on the regular, or DCS is, is what they call it, a channel called Growling Sidewinder. And I, mm. I feel like I'm, I've absorbed uh, enough knowledge to know how how gun kills work with jets and it's yeah it's you, you it's a difficult thing to do hey it is absolutely very skillful mm. but um as i say it's 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 so instant um you know essentially you just sort of squeeze the trigger and the, if the enemy plane happens to fly through your your target reticle and catch a few of those massive rounds. I mean, we're talking 20 or 30 millimeter ammunition, which are Coke bottles, basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, if you catch a few of those, yeah, that's it. Your plane's toast. It's coming apart. Um, so, yeah, to Swiss cheese these two aircraft and basically create flying, flying holes held together by a very thin airframe. Um, it's amazing that they're able to still fly. And I, right. I, and with awesome. all of that, I, uh, with all of that, the thing that actually, I don't, I, uh, saying it bugs me, it doesn't bug me, I just give it a chuckle. With everything that's so super unrealistic that goes on in this comic book, the the amount of like holes that are in these pl uh, planes, the fact that you know they probably wouldn't be able to get enough lift um, with the amount of the damage that they've taken, all those kind of you know want to get super technical things. Are there but the thing that irritates me the most and it's on this page thank you steven mm, uh, ace is holding a coin in his hand <laughs> and he's gonna flip a coin please like anybody who knows this who's like actually like a pilot could you flip a, a, a coin in your cockpit with the canopy shot out and you've probably got about i don't know maybe 200 knots of uh, of of airflow in your face <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I mean, never mind, just G forces and stuff. Can that? Because that to me seems like like a really stupid thing to do, um, or a really stuggy thing to do. Yeah, dude. Yeah, come it's on. a comic book. I mean, like, but that was the one thing that like, stood out to me as the most unreal, unrealistic for me. Like, thing. it's amazing uh, that in a book this jam packed, they can still have a character moment like that. Because yes, Ace mm. is a gambling man. This speaks to his file code. It's like Larry took the, the opportunity to illustrate that um, from time to time, Ace lets chance um, take, yeah, take precedence, take, take, take control of the decision-making. 
But yeah, it does seem like a, a bit of a manufactured moment. Huh? Maybe um, he lifted out of a cockpit and it fell several hundred feet and <laughs> cut somebody cut somebody in half and they turned into a midget. <laughs> um, I do want to refer to just debunk that. Let's hope not. What was it? A, a coin. <laughs> if you drop a coin off the Empire State Building and it, it'll just go through someone's skull. Wasn't that the myth? Oh, I don't surprising. know. Maybe I'm making that up. No, I heard that that urban legend once upon a time. Mm. I love this uh, comment uh, from the the book force here. A moonlight forty seven. As someone coming uh, late on to the comic, now I'm curious why this comic wasn't reprinted for the twenty fifth uh, Ace uh, Wild Weasel pack in place of one fifteen. That, my friend, is a very good question, and we also don't know why. Because that would have been it at that time. the best yeah. comic. Well, Ace, Ace has a very small role in 115, and Wild Weasel, mm. I mean, you see plenty of Rattlers, maybe he's up there, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a mystery. It was a mystery when that pack came out, and it's a mystery today. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a special issue that they wanted to reserve for uh, I don't know, some kind of other reprint. Maybe they want to increase its Striker. exclusivity. Yeah. Maybe, maybe no, no one's really clamoring for 115. Package. Yeah. Like, like shame. I mean, it's not like it's the worst issue or bad issue or anything. It's just, it's not well, 34. It's, it's a highlight yeah. for the, the Phantom X-19. Mm. Maybe they wanted to move some of those units. But mind you, wasn't it written in like 1990? So yeah, the X-19 was already yeah, off shelves by then. There's a colorist error here, boys. Get him. <laughs> Get him. So, uh, we have dialogue saying the Sky Striker is maintaining his straight-on heading, but it's colored to look like Lady J, sort of over the shoulder, so we don't see the character's face, but we do see that it's a green flight suit. Why would Lady J be tracking a Sky Striker. She'd be tracking a Rattler. Um, and it is definitely the Sky Striker on the screen because you could see the Whoa. two tail fins, the one tail fin being cracked off. So who is actually saying this line? And what should the coloring be, gentlemen? Hmm. Also, the helmet design is different. The helmet design is different. And it should... Kujo, do you want to take a stab at it, buddy? Um, like who it should be? Hmm. Uh, what's that one lady in the, uh, isn't there a Scarlet version with a blue jumpsuit on? <laughs> of the characters that are in this comic book. Come mm. on, Cooge. Let me help you, buddy. Yeah, Narrow please. Down. Um, well, what, what's the question, Steven? Sorry. Who should this be, um, mm. on the screen now? We've got the back of the helmets, the shoulder, a little bit of lapel flapping in the breeze. I don't know, brother. What do you got? That would be none other than Wild Weasel. I agree. And, right. uh, if you uh, right. if you know the action figure, you know that his helmet has that kind of band around the oh, back. Oh, is that uh-huh. a cobra emblem on the front of it too? I think you got him. I think you got him. Well, I, maybe. I should. Maybe it is too. Glint. It could be. Hmm. Yeah, could Damn. be. It could be yeah, a very stylized one. Here, but either way, it's um, yeah, it's it's definitely not Lady J. So yeah, I'm gonna attribute that to just the colorist error. I mean, yeah. also. The colors have also, my sympathy. And Lady J is riding Peter Pilot, so she wouldn't have that HUD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and she wouldn't have, yeah, yeah exactly, the glass in front, sort of starred mm. glass. She'd have the back of Ace's head Yep. in front of her. 
All right. Michael, how's it going? You guys are more savvy with the uh, the comics late in the run, but uh, is this a reoccurring uh, fight, uh, either with different planes, but these two characters, do Wild Weasel and, uh, and the uh, G.I. Joe pilot, do they face off again? I wish I could say I knew definitively, but it's not something that happens on the regular. It's not like a Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow fight. That would um, be interesting. I mean, it's still ongoing, but it'd be kind of interesting how, like, sometimes it's it's Wild Weasel and a Fire Bat. Sometimes it's, you know, that'd be interesting. <laughs> well, that's true. Ace did kind of switch up his, his aircraft. He's kind of the perennial pilot, whereas I think Wild Weasel's always been... Like he got just that POS late in the run. Oh, did he? Don't remind me about that. Oh was... wait, the, the the Ghost Striker. I like the Ghost Striker. <laughs> that that Wild Weasel no. figure. That's a hard head to deal with. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I I had I had this observation watching or reading this issue now, uh, that Baroness scores a hit on the Sky Striker using her turret, which like always bugged me because, you know, modern jets don't have turret guns. It's kind of a mm. World War II bomber anachronism. Um, so yeah, th th that's a strange inclusion for the Rattler. But once again, watching as much DCS as I've currently been watching, if you're in a turning fight with an another aircraft and you're close enough in, to have a gun turret in the like amidships that can kind of shoot into the circle could actually score definitive hits. The it's the kind problem of a bastard. <laughs> it's yeah. it's great. Like it's amazing. Mm. Like it could it could actually be useful. I'd say the problem with the Rattler's gun specifically is like it would just not have the power. I mean, those mm. barrels don't look too too big. You know, it's it's not like the the, the cannon that the A-10 is basically built around. The, um, was it the Avenger? In the Rattler, it's called the Jawbreaker, 30 millimeter, which is a cool appellation. But yeah, I mean, these piddly little gun turrets I wouldn't have the speed or power or range to really factor in. Let us not in. speak of the plastic saving measure of making those guns so small. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the fact that uh, Rod Wiggum has has illustrated them quite beefy. They look more imposing than the toy ever did. But still, yeah, it's, you have to suspend your disbelief. But if you can, all of a sudden, yeah, as I say, it becomes far more useful to have that option. You know, mm. the, the, the person manning them won't be able to use them in most scenarios. But in this case, if you're that close... You know, to be able to, to, to shoot someone who's on your six, very, very uh, attractive option. Mm. And it is a David and Goliath battle. We've got a, a an air superiority fight, a dedicated one versus an attack plane. So if there's any question as to who the more skillful pilot is, I think it's pretty clearly Wild Weasel in this case. To fight a Tomcat or... Sky Striker to a standstill. He's the man. Mm. That's a lot. Um, he's actually a heavier plane as well. His maneuverability shouldn't be as high as the F 14. <laughs> yeah, I like the studly way that he keeps all his missiles and bombs till the very end. 
Like mm. your bombs aren't going to do you any favors in a dogfight. Like he should have jettisoned them ages ago just to increase his, I suppose, maneuverability. To but maybe he cares weight. about collateral damage. That's maybe. Yeah. You kind of yeah, get the only, idea that, yeah. He only Sorry, does man. so when he's over like a steel mill, no, over a scrapyard. Mm. Mm. Which kind of shows that he's a bit of a gentleman in that respect. He's not like a, he's not a, he's, he's not a villain. He just he blurring the lines between good star, and evil. That he feels mm. for the blue collar. Or the red, white, and blue. Yeah. Or that, yeah. Maybe he it's only joined Cobra because he wanted to fly. Like maybe he wasn't able to fly for any of the actual you know, armed services of the world. For the branches, yeah. Mm. <laughs> hey, when you're should we talk a little bit about the end, guys? Could just need to pick up something. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what's your take we... on on sort of the, the finale? They go head to head, um, drilling away with their cannons, and um, do not down each other's planes. Uh, both check their guns empty. They've expended all their missiles. And yeah, they just I think fly past each other and salute. Amazing. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, what is my take on it? My take on it is that I think it's super cool. Um, it's very samurai. Well, <laughs> very movie samurai, let's say that. Uh, it's cool. It's also, um, it just shows you sometimes like it's not super necessary for. Yeah. what's that thing that kids like to say these days game Red recognizes West. game <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and i think like these two guys just did that and i think there's also a little bit of a you know if we weren't in different planes we could be friends kind of feeling as well like you know like you know like um like a lot of your great driving rivalries and and whatever's over time some of those drivers have actually said hey if we didn't meet each other as opposites on the track we may have actually been really great friends and have become great friends afterwards and it's the same with certain movie stars so i feel like it's that kind of situation like they both recognize that each other are actually just too great to try and waste and they also it's not worth wasting their own lives on trying to kill each other so they're just like yeah <laughs> yeah nicely done checkmate let's go you know let's go mm. home yeah it's a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful moment. Um, what the only thing that pisses me off on this, actually, and I know, like, I'm sorry that I'm looking for something that's negative here, but, um, and it's also a sign of the times. But I hate that it's like both women are are complaining. Like the mm. women don't understand, and I don't like that because both of these women are actually like you know specialized you know members of a of an armed force themselves, and they understand this kind of thing too so i feel like their behavior is just like i said it's a sign of the times it's that kind of gag you know um but that's well, the only thing that like, annoys me a little bit about this you know there is some validity to their stances because they're giving grief to the pilots uh for letting the other guy get away essentially mm. baroness is sitting with a loaded gun she could still score some hits on the sky striker mm. and from Lady J's point of view, this is a Cobra aircraft flying with impunity over American airspace. Like, at the very least, they could radio in its position, or not, well, I suppose the radio is taken up. They could try and track them, try and keep up with them as best <laughs> they could. 
you know, ditch their plane a little bit closer to wherever this plane ditches so they can acquire these Cobra operatives later or find out, even better, find out where their base is. Like mm. Springfield at this stage of G.I. Joe history is still a secret. Mm. So it would be useful for both combatants to, to prolong the fight. But yeah, you, you said a mouthful, Paul, and I would only add that these planes are so absolutely totaled that the fact that they're even able to maneuver at all uh, and limp back to base is a miracle. So mm. yeah, that kind of invalidates both of the women's stances because like they should just be quiet and, and pray, pray that they make it home. Yeah, totally. I mean, I I just feel like in it, it had it been like another character, if these were two male uh, two male characters sitting in the Peter Pilot seats, they would have said stuff like that. It would have been like, okay, cool, yeah, it's acceptable for somebody like I don't know um, Tripwire to say that because he he doesn't understand like the kind of nightness of the the whole thing. But you know, anyway. It, yeah, it's a thing. Sign of the times. You know, if it was written today, yeah, you absolutely wouldn't paint the women as these kind of nags. But it yeah. was the 80s. And, and I mean, this was a boys' comic book. It had some mm -hmm. female readership, but for the most part, I mean, it, it's there was a, a letter written in Postbox the Pit for issue 37, which I'll bring mm. to your attention. And it basically it wrote about, about this issue, a whole lot of sort of technical questions. And at the end, he said, and that ending, all I have to say about that is women, right? This is probably written by a 10-year-old, but he's probably heard his dad say something like that. Always heard it on yep. TV. Women, yep. right? So that was the perception that women could be nags. And this book sadly played into that. But yep. it was a simpler <laughs> time, I guess. Mm. Shall we rate this issue, gents? I mean... I'm going to come in strong and say this is a, a perfect issue for me. Yeah, like what, I, I, little, what little like criticisms I have are really just my adult brain having a go and trying to find talking points. It is a riveting read and beautifully illustrated. Yeah. Yeah, I got to agree with Steve on that one. It's like, uh, how many times can you say this book deserves five out of ten? Um, five out of yeah, five. You could say, you could say, yeah, well, five out of ten. Five out of five. Nice done, Steve. Sorry, man. Um, what I was trying to say is, how many times can you say this book deserves to get five out of five stars? You could say it ten times, and you could still say it more after that. It's it's a great book. It's a classic. Um, and even by modern comic sensibilities, the style, the composition, the style, uh, the the flow of the story is really really good. In fact, it actually kicks a lot of modern comic books um, in the ass. Uh, dare I say? And um, and I know that I'm, I don't want to sound like an old buddy, but yeah, I fully stand by that. And another thing, um, all the nitpicks uh, that uh, like Steve and myself are, are pulling out of this, I think is just so we can be a devil's advocate. So we can say, hey, guys, we've really looked at this. We've really counted the rivets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it still doesn't stop it from being a Mona Lisa, in my opinion. 34 is amazing. And Mona it's Lisa actually has overlooked. Rivets? Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> holding her together at this stage i can't Good i job. can't give it a five out of five i'll go four um right. I, I thought that the frames were kind of tight until we get late in the comic then he starts to let it breathe a little bit i like those shots of the cockpit at the end i you know you guys have already read 301 i'm curious like what kind of 
what kind of hits they're going to play um, at Skybound. I would love to see, you know, if this was a modern comic, they would have just pulled uh, scans of the A-10 and it would have looked wooden and dead on the page. But no, I, I think they did a good job on the planes. And I, I do want to see more dogfighting in my comics. But this seems to be the only comic. And I'm thinking, you guys said the, the Ghost Striker had, had an issue in the hundreds. You don't see too many signature dogfights. I'd, I'd like to see Wild Weasel go at uh, Airborne again. That's not his name. That's his name. Mm. The um, Phantom X-19 was uh, the featured issue of featured aircraft in 115. Sort of doing a snoop over um, you guys said you were gonna Emirates cover, of Benzene. You guys are going to cover Hama's revisit late in the run next episode? Gosh. Okay, so we did... We did a, oh, let me name drop it right here. Um, and it should be in the description below. But we did a guest spot on Chaplin's Assistance Motorpod. Oh. And Gary's mm. in the chats um, where we gave our opinions on 301. So if you're jonesing for some up-to-the-minute comic book reviews, <laughs> <laughs> get our well, thoughts there. And it's um, worth uh, kind of dropping some trivia that this uh, 301 has sold over 100,000 uh, copies. So... Hey, I don't know uh, how many rappers Star Wars has. We have we we have Word Burglar. We still have a thriving franchise. Apparently, people are still turning in, or at least they're reinterested in the wake of a lot of other fandoms kind of losing their intrigue. I'm interested. Uh, GI Joe's got something special, man. Hmm. So, um, so like it's cool that you mentioned 301. Because if we rewind to about what episode uh, issue two hundred and eighty of the comic book, as Steve <laughs> mentioned earlier on, um, we get a continuation of this fight, and I think it's done purely to try and just immediately put us in the timeline of when this story plays out for two eighty, and I, you know, I get it. Like Larry's also trying to put a spotlight on okay you know what the ride home was quite hectic and everything but the whole and and it's like it's it's quite dangerous and hectic bad stuff happened you know like oh the you know rattler pretty much you know went up in flames um but just some things that i wanted to mention here like it's amazing how the baroness goes from issue 34 of being very like not nervous, but very, um, I'm trying to think of a word. She always tries to catch wild weasel out. That's her character. You know, like mm. she's always like, yeah, you know, impress me, you know, whole bro, all <laughs> that good stuff. And he's all like, yeah, I'll blow you away, blah, blah, blah. And now she's like, I trust you implicitly wild weasel. It's like, no, <laughs> like I hated that shit. I'm sorry. Like she's softened in the intervening 35 years. Yeah, like sitting in the back just, of that rattler, she's suddenly like flashed forward through time and age. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just I hated that, that bit of characterization. And then also, um, there's a scene in there where she's like talking to Wild Weasel, but she's like, Yes, swimsuit, pose, you know. Oh yes, Any, when they, they, they managed seconds. to put down the plane. Successfully, yeah. the landing gear doesn't work. The fuel tanks aren't filling up with inert gas, so they're essentially just uh, like fuel vapor bombs. So mm. the danger level is very high, in spite of this thing not having any ordnance still strapped to it. Wild Weasel puts the plane down. 
the crash crews are on standby or they're, they're on the scene very quickly techno vipers are putting mm -hmm. out the fire very cool mm -hmm. they've got breakout tools they come through the smoke and managed to pull Baroness and Wild Weasel out just before the tanks blow, blow up. And yes, absolutely. The sun is high in the sky and Baroness has a glint coming off her tit. <laughs> <laughs> Wild Weasel yeah, looks, um, looks yeah. worse for wear. And is this, to my mind, the first time we see Wild Weasel's unmasked face? Mm. Hmm. Quite possibly. And... Yeah, like I understand, like from a narrative point of view, why you'd want to do that because you kind of want to give the character more personality and you want to, like, also show that, like, you know, he's taking off his helmet now, you know, it's time for contemplation and blah, blah, blah. But, like, it totally kills the whole thing for me. Um, gives me the vibe that maybe these two are intimately linked. It gives that vibe, but. They survive yeah, an ordeal, but, but there's something quite sexy about this. Well, it's Baroness, okay? It's but it's unintentionally done so. Yeah, it's like it's like fat bait. I hate that shit. Like, well, for this me, is it, yeah. I you know I know enough about the industry now, thanks to all the mm. excellent comic book podcasts that I listen to. But this is a one-page splash, and it would make for a more attractive page to sell. Hmm. You know, to have Baroness looking like she does and an unmasked wild weasel. There's a lot of eye candy mm -hmm. on this. It's a it's a poster. It's a mini poster. Yeah. I always I always wonder when people draw a page and nobody's eyes find you, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Yeah. True. Listen, there's 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 a reason to do that, like stylistic reasons. Um and I and I get you there. Well, um, what's the center of the page? The mirror? All right. <laughs> well, it's actually meant to be the sun. So it's from the sun, and then you've got all the lines pushing you through the composition. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know we're being super technical here, and I'm pretty sure that whoever had to draw this had like, you know, five seconds to do each page um, cool. or whatever, is because uh, I've heard stuff about IDW um, and then decided Destro really just needed a much bigger head uh, in the preceding pages, um, but all in the following <laughs> pages. Um, also but, chronologically, we have the first appearance of the Night Raven. Yes. Um, in issues following this, in chronological order, sort of issues in the late 30s, the early 40s of the run, um, Alpine and Flint and Quick Kick, someone else infiltrate Cobra Island and they take pictures of something under a top that looks like a Night Raven to me. Um, but that hint to the Night Raven is now preceded by this appearance of the Night Raven on the tarmac mm. at the Springfield Municipal Air Force or air, Municipal Field. Yeah, it's not a not an air base. Yeah. It's undercover. <laughs> Whatever. And then we get to like the whole okay, so now we actually get to the actual story. So that like I get where like Homer's coming from. Like I said, early on he's trying to create a timeline. He's trying to put us in a place so we can jump on so we know exactly when the story takes place in the whole thing um and it is like a great opportunity to flex on the popularity of one of the greatest gi joe issues ever written and uh, which is episode 30 uh, issue 34 by the way if anybody's wondering shakedown um and you know so i suppose that's a little bit of like uh fan service in some respects um, sorry, I'm just actually just looking through the uh, issue. If you're wondering what my eyes are not looking at, at you, dear viewers. 
Or and then a little we rundown. This... What happens? What is this issue all about, pal? Yeah, so we get down to this whole thing now. Okay, so Baroness has just like had this incredibly traumatic event with Wild Weasel, and now she has to jet off to to Paris to go and stop or go and convince a French senator, French um what's the word uh head of state or whatever to, to, to join cobra to basically be you know on cobra's side it's the barovian prime minister it's the, the barovian prime minister okay mm -hmm. oh yeah the of barovia sorry man um just all the paris stuff i just i just immediately thought he was and then we are introduced to major blood and he's just got a gang of shirtless vipers which just is super fetish by the way um <laughs> <laughs> and they are in interrogating some dude, and then we've got some beef between um, Baroness and Major Blood, and quite uh, figuratively and literally, as they literally <laughs> is a, a raw piece of meat hanging <laughs> between them in the panel, uh, which I think was actually some kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek artistic uh, choice there. And yeah, and then we got, got the whole paneling thing. Rocky, like these guys between um, torture sessions, they're just uh, bulking up. They hit the meat. The beat the meat. Hitting the meat. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just get this like highly elaborate kind of chase through Paris, which is very like a la the Italian job, the original, not the stupid remake. Um, you know, and and it's replete with uh, a scooter that is like got a little grenade launcher. Anyway, hilarity ensues. Uh, There's the coilless rifle, and... I think. They, uh, oh, is that what it, Yeah, technically it's like a howitzer or something. Like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's a real just, thing. It... A 150 tap is a, a World War II, I think, era Vespa. Yes, it is. Scooter a, it... That has a gigantic barrel pointing out of it. And I'm totally and... down with that. Like, I, I, I'm totally down with that, but it's just, all of this happens and and Holy then tiger, um, it, it might be a little bit later than the Second World War. I think maybe this is like a Cold War era weapon. Oh yeah, but no, it is something that backing me up. He had they had yeah. them in World War Two, right? Yeah, it's like a legit thing, which is super cool. Um, and also kudos to the artist or to the creative team when they uh, make the Baroness bail and then like kind of scratches the the barrel of this gun a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, then we get this great little, like, all of this stuff happens, and it's like, this is moment in time, and then eventually, you know, the Baroness, like, gets hold of the Barovian dude, and she's all like, well, you know, like, this guy was gonna do this, and blame it on Cobra, and blah, 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 and then he's like, tell your boss to give me a call, and I'm like, oh my word, so basically, the whole issue is how Baroness is the best PA in the world ever. Like, that's the issue. I mean, that's what she is. She's a personal assistant. I mean, she just... That's what she's been uh, diminished Dude, to. she's been a personal assistant since G.I. Joe issue number one. Yeah, but like in the very personal assistant way, not like as in the right arm, you know, or left arm of Cobra kind of way, you know? Look, she fulfills like, both duties. You know, she's yeah, either... This could have been an email. On, <laughs> on one hand, she's leading the mission to capture Adele Burkhardt. On the other hand, she's holding a an eyepiece and correcting Cobra Commander's aim. Like, I bet she makes a mean cup of coffee as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She it's does just, whatever's it's super, required. It's crazy. Like, and I, I ask you, dear listeners, like, there are some fun moments in this comic book, but had this never existed, 
do you think your life would have been complete? Do you think that this somehow fills in a gap in your life? Well, we never you... would have known um, if the rat lamented back to the, the base or not. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> what? Of course we would have known. There's a shit ton of issues later with the Baroness and the Wild Weasel. It's still intact. I tease. <laughs> Look, I, I will credit this for kind of acknowledging the elephant in the room. That after mm. all this bad blood, <laughs> pun intended, between, between Baroness and Major Blood in this issue... They still begrudgingly part ways and say, I'll see you at the Springfield rally. Because guess what? These two are actually colluding at this very same moment to kill Cobra Commander. To have Billy pull out a 375 Magnum. Was it 357? 357 Magnum and blow old Chrome Dome's face away. Which I think Larry Homer actually forgot about when he wrote this. Incorrect. Really? So Blood's, last, Blood's parting shot is until we meet again at the rally in Springfield then. <laughs> he does have a little clever eye there. Mm, his eyes do find you that time, do they, Cujo? Mm. So yeah, this is just a little bit of a skirmish between Cobra. Uh, it seems like something that happens on the regular. Look, Major Blood is... Uh, his, his loyalties are very fickle, and this is just another example of that. So, I mean, to to kind of just get into the nuts and bolts of it, Blood was sent to Paris to kidnap this Barovian prime minister um, mm. for Cobra's purposes. However, he was being paid more to eliminate the prime minister. He had a sort of a, a side deal with someone else. Um, so he got rid of all the vipers that he was sent there with and replaced them with French Foreign Legion troops or legionnaires um, who were loyal to blood. Those were those gang. beefy, rocky dudes in the yeah in the abattoir in the, the meat locker, um, and Ooh. and so he was going to actually off this prime minister. Baroness intervenes, but things work out pretty well for Cobra because that then pushes this prime minister into Cobra's influence. It's like, well, the other guys would have killed you. We would have just kidnapped you and had a little talk. Um, so he's like, um, tell your boss to, to call me, Baroness. Um, we can work something out. <laughs> Look, it's cute. And I suppose Barovia became allied to Cobra in later issues. Uh, certainly mm. in the arms trade, they have links to, to Cobra. Um, have have we ever gotten a proper? Sorry, brother. Finish that thought. Uh, it just pays respects to the continuity that it that it forms a part of. But to answer your question, Paul, is it necessary? No. No. It's a fun issue, though. It's pretty harmless. It's a three out of five for me. Have we ever gotten a proper origin story for uh, Christ on a bicycle? I'm forgetting everybody's names. Wild Weasel. Not that I'm not aware of. No. I'm going to do a quick and dirty rewrite on that comic. They dump the plane in a field. The whole issue, Baroness and uh, Wild Weasel are fighting. They finally get back and salute each other. She finally understands what it is to not like somebody, but I have to live with them. So she sure learns the same lesson. Anyways. But honestly, the, those, the comic book cover should have been Shakedown, the aftermath, with a bunch of, you know, Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, they could have thought it harder. 
like mm -hmm. a big criticism I have for this issue. Okay, content-wise, I don't think it's bad. I'm not like, I'm not like, oh my god, it's the worst thing ever written. I just, I just feel like it's unnecessary. But like, okay, fine, we got it. So cool, you know. Art it's was like a when somebody, gummy. it was a little gummy, but hey, it's like, you know, it's it's like that chocolate, like that, you know, there's a chocolate or candy bar, or whatever, out there that not your favorite, but you know, if somebody gave it to you. And you were really craving a candy bar, you'd be like, "Yeah, cool. this does it for me." Um, yeah, somebody says, "Remember you know, that candy bar that flew around real awesomely?" Well, here's the follow-up to it. Yeah, like here's the the, the super party bar. size. Yeah, so here's a. It's not a Snickers. It's a it's a Slickers. Nice. It's like, nice. <laughs> um, but I think that oh god, and I and like I'm gonna be super dickhead here, and like I don't even know if I have like the box to stand on for this to be fair but the covers for the book are crap i'm going to put that right out there Ooh. okay the two Shots best fun. covers for this the best covers for this were actually done by john royal um mm. and the snake eyes versions the john royal should it looks like a chase here it's like the the b cover that should have been the main cover for this book from from the, the get-go um if they really wanted to like show off the baroness for this book um, but I think some kind of strong um, sort of storytelling would have been fun, you know, like having the Baroness on the scooter or something cool like that for the shot would have been way more interesting because I'm sorry, but this is like, and again, like maybe the artist had like five seconds to draw this or just was really struggling that day. So I'm like not trying to insult the artist here or whatever. You know, sometimes getting a good read on a character can be quite difficult, but this is a terribly shit cover of the Baroness. And I'm going to say it. I'm not even being nice about them. Both of them. Like, they're shit. They're, like, they're ugly. They they Aww. put me off this comic book. Like, and I feel like for the content that's inside the book, those comic those covers let it down. Um, and, you know, you can't win them all. I've also got a lot of shit art out there. So, whatever. <laughs> it happens. But uh, I just... You make me laugh. Sorry, bro. It's just, like, I hate these covers. They, like, really hurt my eyes. And they I think they really hurt the book. Uh, um, cover think, A is... By Ron Joseph, if you want Sorry, uh, an object for your hate, cover no, B. No, I don't hate Ron Joseph. It's just should happen. Is Kieran yeah. McCowan? No, yeah, yeah, Kieran McCowan. Well, hey, mm. I mean, there's a reason why IDW GI Joe did not hit the way it should have, and a lot of it was they industrialized storytelling. I'm sure the people that drew this had no idea what was going on in the comic. Probably not. So probably not. No hard but feelings. Just give them an opportunity to draw Baroness, which I believe sells more covers than than the rest. It was yes. it's rather shameless leaning into Baroness's cover popularity. Like mm -hmm. comic books as an object to be bought and sold because it looks pretty, as opposed to a meaningful story that that adds something. I mean, Ooh. this doesn't really, and it's yeah, it's a throwaway kind of plot line that trades heavily on it being a continuation to 34, except not. Yeah. So it's a thinly veiled um, attempt at, at getting sales, driving mm. up sales, to be just also perfectly cynical. I also love this uh, Eastside Comics variation, which has got Snake Eyes on it. It's like... Oh, In a Spider-Man pose. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's like this is what was wrong with the book. I mean, they were trying to throw everything they could at the wall to try and make this book sell. So they're like, well, what sells? The Baroness and Snake Eyes. So if the Baroness covers don't sell, the Snake Eyes sure as shit will. Well, um, can you blame it, them? 
I mean, in, no, I, in hindsight, we know that, that IDW had their back against the wall. Either they yeah. knew they were losing the license and they decided to milk it for all it's worth at this stage, or they were making making moves to try and up the sales to impress, I don't know, probably Hasbro, the rights holders. Like, leave the license with us. We can move units. And Hasbro were like, nah, you tried. You tried, Baroness, looking sexy in the sunlight. I'm not going to go down this full-on cherry road, but I think that that's one thing that all of us should be kind of eyes open to is how people create stories, whether they're comics or... um, By the way, guys, podcasting has led me to mainstream. You know, I'm working for platforms now, so don't think you're just doing this and talking to nobody. Uh, This is exactly the skill set people are looking for. How do you tell a story? How do you get it to reach people? They definitely missed the mark on that issue. I mean, you didn't even mention Shakedown, you know, no Mm. aftermath. You got to have Wild Weasel on that cover. But again, that's what I'm getting at. Like allude to that. A friend of mine um, did a Baroness cover. Uh, I'm trying to think of the issue number now. Um, But he did the cover. He did a cover and it was a bit of like behind the scenes knowledge. Hasbro think gave him three or four different changes for it because there was um Hasbro are very very careful with Baroness in making her look too quote unquote sexy mm-hmm. um and it's just they they seem to be uh, uh listen this is not a fact this is like what I have taken from the feedback and from what my friend has told me the more realistic your artwork looks the more like you know, quote unquote, just a realism your style has. So if you're going for like a photorealistic look or a painted look or whatever, the more hardcore they get on you. And the more comic it looks, the less they kind of bug you about it. And I think that's why like John Royal's um, comic cover here. And by the mm. way, John Royal's amazing. His work is so great. He he really is like an amazing uh, comic book artist or uh, amazing artist, amazing illustrator. He's great. Um, but that that issue, that comic cover is very sexy. Um, yep. In a lot of ways, you know, um, very. Uh, what's the the guy who currently runs Marvel Comics? Uh, oh, uh, uh, that guy, <laughs> that guy, um, Gen Thirteen but... artist. Oh, well, the Gen Thirteen artist for Jim Lee and J. Scott Jim Campbell. Jim Lee, uh, yeah, Jim Lee. Yeah, he runs DC. That sounds Jim right. Oh, it's DC. That's why. Yeah, that's, that's why I know about it. comic books. But Sadly, uh, we've only got the thumbnail for John Royal's cover um, yeah, on the screen so, now, and it's so blurry. Like the thing, and it's yes. unfortunately blurry on the screen. But the thing is, like that, that if my buddy had done the same kind of pose in a more realistic, realistic style, they would have given him a bit more pushback. I'm not saying John Royal didn't get pushback from Hasbro, um, you know, um, but yeah, it is a thing. So, like Hasbro can be very careful. So. It's also possible that these two covers, which I've mentioned my dislike for, and apologize apologies to Ron Joseph and stuff like, like I'm sure you do amazing other work. I just haven't seen it, but I'm sure that these were very much them playing safe, or maybe they just got feedback and the artist was just like, well, instead of like trying to go, you know, trying to correct in increments, they just completely course corrected and were like, nope, just gonna do this and not like go too hard on it, not push it too hard. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just these are terrible covers. Um, Did you and, give and us also, a score, Paul? 
for the issue? Yeah, two and a half out of five. It's uh, two and a half. Okay. If, yeah, if you get it, if you if you get the book, like if you've got it in your collection, cool, you got it. If it's in a trade paperback, fun, cool. Um, do I do I accept it as the actual continuation of the events after Shakedown? No, I don't. I, mm. I don't at all. Um, gratuitous. Yeah. I don't think it so, ties yeah. itself enough into um, the G.I. Joe history at this point. I don't think. Mm. Um, maybe I'm missing some details, but like, I wish that there was some follow-on from the events that happened in this book. Because, I don't know, we learned that Barovia, it's a kind of an analog to Poland, really. Sort of in favor with the Soviet Union, but kind of its own mm. independent nation. Um, yeah, I don't know. Barovia's main claim to fame is that mission that uh, Stalker and Quick Kick, Snowjob, Outback go on. Outback then has to do escape and evade after the other guys yep. get captured. Yeah, one hell of a mission. But like, this doesn't feel like it correlates in any meaningful way. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Could, do you have a score you want to give this book? It didn't leave me with anything real positive. It starts with mm. the covers, of course. I mean, if the covers mm. aren't about the story, you're you're not really telling it. Um, uh, yeah, no. yeah, it's not enough of a tie-in. Um, it's, I guess, I mean, I guess Shakedown would be the quote-unquote member berry. Remember when this happened? Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. it doesn't really extend that, and the people are out of character, so... It's a shame that that's uh, maybe the only time we've seen Wild Weasel. We'll have to see that red hair, uh, that ginger once again. Is that my mm. man? I think it's time for a little commercial break. Or Reese's. Reese's? Some people say Reese's. Um, I say Reese's, but um, I was corrected in America when we were in the States. Oh, uh, very good. Reese's. Okay. Uh, not so much a commercial break as it is a a question for the panel so dun, dun, i dun, have dun. and the person who who sent this my way is in the chats so thank you you know who you are i have a rattler uh cobra rattler aircraft so yeah it is very very timeless to be talking about the rattler with this issue in mind um that rattler uh has obviously many many years of good play behind it but it is in in fine enough um uh, structural uh, shape could do with some new stickers. The stickers are a little bit off, um, a little bit of adhesive, nice. kind of the gummy gummy edges around where the stickers are. Um, and I mean, Rattler stickers have very specific areas to place them in order to make them look symmetrical, look good. Some of the stickers have bubbling underneath them. Anyway, basically they are a little bit knackered. Um, the structure of the plane itself could also do perhaps with a little bit of a polish um, just to really bring out the beauty of this plane because the planes as we know are gorgeous particularly if you get if you get them nice and squeaky which is is achievable you know, anyone who builds model kits knows ways and means to bring out that that plastic luster get it back to being you know almost factory fresh i learned however after i actually purchased reproduction stickers online that this rattler is the first version sticker sheet so every bit of white lettering that you would normally find the z06 i think is the yeah 
Z06 and the number 41, all the times where you see like white lettering on most rattlers, this is actually done in black, which I think it was a running change basically made because the black wasn't showing up against the dark blue rattler color. Mm. Now that I have these sort of first edition stickers and I'm aware of them, do I still peel them off and throw them in the trash in favor of new reproduction stickers? What Your say answers, you, please. <laughs> well, this is a question for the chats as well. Um, mm. But Kuj, do, do you have an opinion, buddy? Hmm. You said the new stickers are in black, huh? The new stickers are in white, which oh, is how, like, if you look on 3D Joe's, mm -hmm. both the Chad Hukal um, pictures and the spin pictures. So there's are two different rattlers that they've got. They both have the white stickering. So obviously the white is, is a preferable look. It's a more popular look. And mm -hmm. it's the only look that Toy Hacks put out. But that just, to my mind, increases the rarity of rattlers out there that have their original, original, like first edition black stickers. <laughs> Meanwhile, on eBay, <laughs> rattler prices are going up now with black stickers. <laughs> Christoph asks, how far gone are they? Well, that will factor into the deliberation. Um, the stickers, I think, can be salvaged. I peeled off one and was able to then remove the residue and reapply it with uh, some Elmer's washable they're... clear glue. To answer that, um, I think white, I think um, you go white just because it'll photograph better, probably. Mm -hmm. Paul, your, your knee jerk also peel um, off the stickers and use the, the, the reproductions. Yeah, listen, if I could choose. Uh, I would go with the white stickers personally. Right. Uh, I like the contrast. I also like. Okay, so two schools of thinking here. The one school of thinking is you're playing with the oh, you're playing with the vehicle, and you you know we're shooting play motions or whatever's with it. Often got a camera on the side of the fuselage or whatever's, and it's kind of interesting and it's cool. So people will actually see the sticker if it's black when we do stuff like that. But when it's on your shelf or in my case hanging on the wall. Um, Having that contrast is really nice at a glance, you know, being three meters away. By the way, I, I envy you. I envy your Rattler. Just saying. Um, mm. I, yeah, oh, yeah, I prefer the white. Like, I get why the black, why, why they would have black stickers because it's zero vis. And, you know, you don't really, really want the plane to be recognized, I suppose, by civil aviation authorities. <laughs> um, but the white just looks cooler for me. Uh, personally, I like it. The but, stickers don't look bad. But the stickers are bad. in good condition, so don't take them off. Mm. Some of them are like the sort of the low vis um, black sticker that goes on the, the, the bonnet of the plane, the nose. Mm. That's mm. got some bubbling. Um, look, this, as I say, it's a, it's a well-loved Rattler. So maybe cool. trying to make it into a museum piece is, is the wrong impulse. It's folly. Play with it. Yeah. yeah, did, yeah. did you get all the missiles? Yeah, I just don't display it with the missiles because I like a clean, you know, clean config. Just no, you know, that's amazing. around my room a little bit. I'm, I'm super envious. That is a great toy to have. You're not the only one. Ben Martin's in the chats. Oh my days, showing off. Uh, oh, uh, uh -huh. popped up in his place. Um, 
Yeah, look, if I replace them, I would feel guilty. And I think that's the bigger crime. I'm reticent to actually peel and reapply the the old ones because if I screw that up, I'll be sad. But I have proven to myself that I can do it. Like I peeled off one of the Rattler Air Wing the Cobra Air Force symbols, which was really wonky. That 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 offended me. So <laughs> got that one off. <laughs> um, used lighter fluid to clear away any remaining adhesive. And then, as I say, this Elmer's washable clear glue applied and it worked. It dried clear. It looks good. Um, as, uh, I, I don't know if I have the patience or skill to, to attempt the rest. It doesn't bug me enough to do that. It is like my my play rattler. So for that, once again, I thank you, Gary V. I'll name drop you, brother. Thank you so much. He sent me the most awesome care package, like um, back when the pandemic started and toys were scant in my lockdown position. Um, but yeah, this rattler, its fate, I think, is probably going to be with another member of G.I. Joburg um pistols at dawn paul between you and rob fuck yeah dude let's do it <laughs> who wants this piece badly enough because yes i do yeah, have make it more fun for me rob can get a head start i can hunt him down nice. <laughs> but yeah mark says i mean just to, to bring a dissenting opinion perhaps mark says i would replace them in fact i did mark has very squeaky clean collection um but then balanced with that uh, Gary says they're only original once, which is ben what goes says, through my mind. Do you think the Rattler could have been a tad bigger? And to that, I say, that's what she said. It, it could have. A in hand. It could have. What she said. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> jokes aside, Rattler could have been in closer parity size-wise <laughs> with the Sky Striker, but then it costs you playability. Like the Sky Striker for a child or even an adult can be a cumbersome thing to sort of one hand swoosh around. The Rattler is perfection. Perfection in terms of just a nice, cool plane that is not too heavy, not too cumbersome. Um, you've got a, a good place to grip it, the sort of the empennage, the back end of the tail. Um, ah, it's just good. It's good loaded with bombs and once again watching a lot of digital combat simulation on youtube seeing this thing in action it's a beast and you also get an appreciation watching a dcs simulation of aircraft like how how these things stack up like a fighter will always have dominance over an attack plane an attack plane will always have dominance over a helicopter a helicopter will always have dominance over a tank but every once in every while, one of the, the sort of the underdogs beat the odds. Like an A-10 has a couple of heat seekers. It could score a kill on a fighter. Or if it gets close enough to use the nose gun, that's it, man. Game over. A helicopter could score a kill on an A-10 or a similar ground attack aircraft. So like these David and Goliath matches, it's fascinating to watch. All about that turning radius. Um, before we move off of uh, lining up that that probability and taking that lucky shot, uh, I don't know if you guys recall, I did a uh, 
when Cobra Convergence came around, I flashed to this guy, did a little review. Mm. Um, yeah, that guy is. If I was uh, a viper colored to look like Boba Fett action figure, Viper Fett. Speaking of Wild Weasel, I think Wild Weasel's legs are the perfect match for a Fett figure. Between the maps, the dagger, and the gun, I think you have the same level of intrigue on the legs. The maps kind of look like those pockets. So. True, and you could uh, do some kind of accents on those po- the maps or whatever. But um, I was going to ask you, gentlemen, what in the GI Joe toy line resembles the E11? Like, what what would you give Fat Viper as far as a gun? This one looks all right, but it's not signature, you know. The E11, E11? being Boba Fett's laser be the carbine for Joe's. Flint's shotgun could be. Uh, what about the Night Force? Um, I mean, Night Force, the Night Viper's got that weird little gun. That's a good that call. You can't good use. Call. I kind of feel like that's kind of close to Boba Fett's gun. Oh, he just broke the. He just broke it. It's Damn. dead. Dead. Broken. I kind of. <laughs> no, actually, I really hope that he lives. Yeah, he lives. Attacked. Of course, oh. Firefly's gun could play. Darklon's would be an interesting one to add. Darklon's gun. Uh, Gary V literally said it as you said it. Nice. How cool is that? Yeah, I nice like the way one, you Gary. think, brother. Um, that was my quick fire right there. What gun? <laughs> Scale-wise, I'm still going to say, like, okay, in action figure terms, Flint's shotgun might look piddly, but... Scale-wise to the, the movie replica, it's got the same proportions as the E11. And Good it looks play. like a yeah. bounty it's hunter weapon. As exotic as you'd like it to be, but it does. Yeah. It works. I think Jens, it's such an can we talk about a cartoon? Though. Yes. Hello. Steve, are you going to pull us the, uh, in on hold, hold Down the Heavens? Cobra is manipulating Aurora Borealis with a ion correlator? No, something else. Ionic um, adjuster. (laughs) Something to do with ions. And it's causing global warming, essentially. Melting of the polar ice caps. Uh, G.I. Joe is dispatched along with a scientific team to investigate this phenomenon. Not knowing that Cobra is involved, but of course Cobra is involved. However, they have an infiltrator in their ranks. Dr. Impwhistle... (laughs) <laughs> is um, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> has been tied to a chair in a hotel room and has been replaced by the Baroness. She seems to be a recurring theme in these books and comics. And they uh, have a bunch of sabotage attempts happen on this expedition. Firstly, a crane knocks over some boxes, some crates while they're loading up the, the transport plane. A C5A Galaxy, by the way, not the usual uh, C-130s. So they're using a bigger, heavy lift aircraft now. Um, second attempt was a uh, runaway snowcat. And those so- snowcats in this cartoon look massive. They're these mongrel things. And uh, eventually... Um, she reveals herself to Flint and Snowjob as the Baroness. Uh, Flint and Lady J get 
captured by Cobra and pitted against a polar bear <laughs> that Cobra also captured mistakenly. Um, Snowjob winds up with some indigenous tribes people, local people. Um, he's recovering from getting trank darted and he's trying to get a message out to G.I. Joe that Cobra is there uh, in the north. Um, meanwhile, back at G.I. Joe headquarters, Firefly pumps acid into G.I. Joe's fuel supply, rendering their air force completely destroyed. Sky Strikers are crashing out of the sky, transport planes blowing up on the ground. It's chaos. Like the whole G.I. Joe base is basically on fire by the time Firefly is done. Could you get a more effective agent of Cobra Command? I doubt it. But G.I. Joe managed to close in on Cobra anyway. Snowjob gets his message out. Ripcord picks him up in Lady J's Sky Striker, which somehow avoided the flames. And G.I. Joe mysteriously arrive on the scene in a bunch of whale ho hovercrafts. Did they sail them all the way from Joe Base to uh, the Arctic? Maybe. <laughs> I thought they had a fuel shortage. Um, anyway, Joe saves the day by turning the ionic whatever it is, to full blast and melting the Cobra base beneath the polar ice caps, which, to my mind, achieves Cobra's goal, which was to basically create chaos by flooding the world and then, I don't know, taking over the aftermath. Destro laughably calls it giving the world a bath. Lol. Such a dick. <laughs> Basically creating <laughs> water world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to, you want to, basically become Lord High and Mighty over the remaining land masses once the the world has been flooded. Great, mm. very Cobra. Um, and that's that's it, man. There's some zingers, um, some great scripting. I prefer, I, I particularly like um, Lady J calling out. Dr. Impwhistle, who's kind of chewing out the Joes at that point and saying, I bet you want to draft us next. And Lady J was like, I'd like to put you through boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. The episode, uh, if we missed it, Ben's got our back. Haul down the heavens. Absolutely. That's the name of this, this cartoon ep. Yeah, gents, any reflections on this you'd like to share? I do have some pictures. Um, I didn't bring them up, but yeah. Again, it's always cool, yeah. like when you get a Sunbow episode that kind of um, highlights the specialty of the characters. So the Baroness is never really quoted as a master of disguise, but it's cool to see her being a spy, I suppose. Um, but actually, I'm more referring to like Firefly and the way he mm. reads Havoc. Like, I know I'm going very far forward now into the episode, but. Fi this is a great oh, moment for Firefly. If you're like a, if you're one of those kids that grew up loving Firefly and you're like, oh my word, Firefly is the best GI Joe ever. Like screw ninjas, Firefly is the best, even though he's a ninja. But anyway, he's the best. Like if you're like Cujo and you like Firefly, this is probably your episode. You're probably like, yeah, it's my boy. He's shining. He's shining. He's burning bright. Um, so it's a great episode for Firefly fans. Uh. And uh, it's got a bit of a thing vibe to it. Uh, I mean, duh, yeah, okay, it's set in, you know, but it's, is it the Antarctic or is it the Arctic? It's the Antarctic. The Arctic. Yeah, the Arctic. The Northern Lights, Aurora Borealis. The Northern Lights, North. yes, okay, yeah. So, yeah, you got that whole vibe going. And I know that that's like an obvious sell for like, oh, it's like the thing because it's, you know, it's cold. 
but it does have that whole um who can you trust kind of vibe you know um and weird stuff happening and stuff being sabotaged so i do enjoy that to this it's like it's like the kitty cartoon version of the thing to a degree and it doesn't have at one point they it. depict firefly in a kind of monstrous fashion like mm. it's bad enough that he's using this acid to kind of burn his way through the ten thousand volt electric fence and uh, various gi joe sort of security barriers but at one point he appears in a vent that he's just melted as just these glowing blue eyes interesting i am the rat king <laughs> yeah. anyway definitely um mvp of this issue as firefly basically grinds gi joe to a standstill yeah like through his actions i mean it took a whole i don't know satellite to do it in the pyramid of darkness miniseries um they should have just sent one man <laughs> yeah one man one man um there's a great shot of uh snow job on the floor earlier on oh yes he's been taken out and it really does remind it, it just reminds me of the thing i'm sorry i can't help it i mean look at he, he looks like mccready bro mccready like, totally mm, and there's a parallel also to uh mass device where snake eyes is similarly incapacitated or irradiated and taken yes, in yeah. by by local people um i agree with you about firefly probably getting a, a lot of love after this the figure um honestly like chuck dixon right um mm. I, he's he knows his history these are lofty concepts to be floating around once again gi joe handles it easily gotta love it um and hey end of the year <laughs> there's a lot of loud skies out there so mm. this is a topical episode good stuff Little, little Easter egg that I'm flashing on screen now. We've got Snow Serpent. Snow Serpent gear, yeah. Snow Serpent Sorry. gear on a blue shirt, essentially. Well, this can be explained, I suppose, as Snow Serpents in base who take off their like ski mask and hoods and then decide for some reason to put uh, blue shirt helmets on and balaclavas over their mouths. But it's an interesting look to have the kind of the smash up of a blue shirt head with a Snow Serpent body. Unfortunately, it's something you can't achieve with the action figures because, of course, the blue shirt head is a swivel and the snow serpent is a ball joint. Mm. Mm. Maybe we'll get a reaction version. Oh, that's a nice variation for Destro. I'd like the that. The classic Destro, Destro winterized uniform, the black trench coat with the red lapels, the turtleneck, the cool Mars logo belt. Yep, these design sheets had style. I really mm. like the fact that the blue shirts in this iteration have these kind of grayed out snow gear, but it's essentially mm. the same top as their blue shirt, but just knocked out in gray. Because it's got a, a cobra symbol kind of ghosted on the chest, not picked mm. out in red. Um, big black kind of chemical handling gloves. <laughs> Yeah, it's a Cobra good look. being subtle. How dare they? Mm. I really feel like this. I, I really hope that um, Super Seven do a reaction version of that Destro, just just to put it out there into the like, you know, ether, so to speak. Um, Paul, do you, you have know, the? Did they do a similar the resolute version? Resolute version, yeah. The yeah, with arm. the removable arm. 
Hmm. It's a cool, it's a cool look for him. It's also got a little bit of a um, action force kind of vibe to it as well. Um, How so? Uh, it just reminds me of not the the one bad guy. Um, there's a there's a look. It, it's not like oh, a Black Major. Character. Yeah, it's kind of got the Black Major look. It, it's not like oh my god, it's it's like one of their costumes or something. It's just it looks like it fits in that universe. So. I wonder if, like, had Hasbro ever done this variation, that would have made. I wonder if it would have changed this Destro and turned him into a leader or something in Action Force comics, because he just looks like a. He looks like the boss here, you know. He's not like showing his chest. He's like, you know, I don't know. It's just something about it. It just seems very. He's the boss. Very CEO. I like it. Oh, he is the boss. I mean, Cobra Commander runs around like basically policing up prisoners in this episode. Destro is the one who came up with the Ionic. Blanking on the name again. It's not Correlator. It's something else. I should have written it down. But The Ionic um, Ionicinator. No, 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 no. <laughs> Kickbox Productions uh, set the record straight. Absolutely. You can do the head swap with the 25th, 25th anniversary style. You sure can. Um, so you could put a blue shirt, head and helmet on a snow serpent body. I'd be an interesting look. I'd, I've never seen that online, so cool. I wonder I'm if I can do that with the classified figures. Hey, uh, you know those new classified snow serpents? Did mm -hmm. that wolf yeah. head change the personality of the snow viper to you, or the uh, snow serpent to you? It kind of gives does. it a different vibe. Turn them into vibe. Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Guys, I had I fun with it. this episode. Um... It's, yeah. it's mostly goodie. harmless. Yeah, it's got some zingers. Chuck Dixon has a great balance between like action and pace and characterization. So it's in that sort of perfect Venn diagram of like what you want from your 23-minute cartoon adventure. It also and has that gem uh, kicker in the afterburner. That ain't bad. Huh. It just occurred to me, like I've taken this screen grab rather randomly, but Flint and Lady J burst into the <laughs> Sorry, the arena. It's it's, the it's a god. The snow serpent is actually a god. It's not. Yeah, he must have backed out really quick because they've got a a polar bear charging down on them. Like the rancor the fight. Mm -hmm. yeah. I actually got vibes of the episode two. Heaven help me. Star Wars um, fight because Lady J and Flint break their chains by basically running it through the mouth of the bear. Mm -hmm. Doesn't doesn't one of the Jedi or maybe it's Padme do a similar thing to break their chains? Mm -hmm. Attack of the clones. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, with the um, I can't even remember the names of those things. It's like a slaz. Anyway, Ben has come to our rescue, Steve. It's the Ion Attractor. Thank um, you. Now available from L'Oreal. Oh. <laughs> the new fragrance by L'Oreal. <laughs> because you're worth it. Uh. Very good. Thank <laughs> you very much, Ben. Very cool. I, well, hey, they, did, uh, get... they had people fighting a bear on Game of Thrones, don't forget. That's pretty intense. Oh, my word. I can't I remember because I never watched that show. Um, except I did watch the final season because I wanted to see every, everything come down. That's where you done went burned wrong. Burned down. <laughs> exactly. You went wrong, yeah. You watched like the worst one. Well, I wanted to see the internet explode and, mm. and see the reason for it. Um, 
I I did get some vibe that the writing pool responsible for Rise of Cobra, the live action film from two thousand nine, I'm gonna say. Um, I did feel like they watched this episode. Like this is one of the episodes they honed in on, because I mean, the whole thing ends with the Cobra base sinking. Yeah, yeah. they like they use the ionic attractor to full power and then the whole thing disappears under the the ice flows um because yeah that film rise of cobra also ends with cobra base descending through the ice also somehow ice massive ice pieces also sinking which yeah people didn't have Critical their size that on was that not day. bad that's all i'm gonna say about that but still it's very cool visuals though and like yeah, it looks yeah. good it's not really real i would love to get some of the background uh, plates for this, for this episode, oh, yeah. yeah, and just for Sunbow in general, I'd love to own some. But uh, this base, this version of the Cobra base, is really cool as well. Mm-hmm. That like, evil donut, yeah, just feels so alien, you know. Again, a bit of a thing reference, even though we never see a spaceship in the thing. Well, I wouldn't say never. Anyway, let's just don't go there. That's a whole. Mm, yeah. I'll go there. It wasn't that bad. Oh, <laughs> I'm flashing up an image of the gigantic snowcats, man. They look beefy. Mm. Very mongrel. That's how they should be. It's an ageless I vehicle. Feel they should feel like biggish. Great. Yeah, I suppose. So, <clears throat> oh, yeah, then, then there's the. <laughs> yeah, so there's Dr. I can. I don't know. I, can, I can't even remember her name now, but she's just. Realize that she should never ever use that escort agent again, ever. Um, because look how she's been tied up, that's quite professional. Like, I okay, <laughs> before I come from my lap dances, yeah. But guys, they like look at this um frame, okay. And I don't know if you get ta- taught how to tie people up, okay, um, in the military or whatever it is, I'm sure you do, I wouldn't know. But this doesn't seem like the way you would do it. This seems a little more kinky than that. I don't know how to why why I'm going there, and I'm sorry, uh, because I know there's a whole thing with uh, like you know people like to tie each other up and all that. That kind of reminds me of that more than a practical military way of doing it, a little militaristic way of doing it. If it is cool, please correct me. I want to learn. I want to know. But <laughs> this looks naughty. Maybe I'm naughty. I don't know. So it's good to see Matt Noon and Hans Chow in the chats. Thanks for joining Yay, us. Yay, it's Hans. <laughs> and Matt. <laughs> hey. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And Matt. Got a lively cool. chat happening at the moment. Um, anything else you guys want to add about this episode? <laughs> I, I thought it was a goodie. I thought it was a goodie. <laughs> Nothing too goofy. Um, yeah. Oh, Hans. We use zip ties and handcuffs in the army, I mean. <laughs> anyway, it's great. Sorry, carry on. Good job. More references to gambling. Snowjob talks about gambling. So that may be the reoccurring theme here over the holidays is getting a lot of gambling. Well, it, it is, I suppose, as good a reference as you're likely to get to his file card information. Oh, no, I thought, it, I thought it was a nice job. dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Was that where Flint says, sort of dispatches him to to do a mm-hmm. bit of reconnaissance, and he says, 
and don't let me catch you selling any refrigerators to Eskimos or something like I'm that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Racist. Yeah, that was one of the things. <laughs> no, but that was one of the things I mentioned earlier. Like they kind of lean into some of the, you know, characters a little bit more. Like that joke is made possible because you've read the file card. So I dig that. Word. Cool shot of the really cool still of the Baroness there, actually. Whoa, and that's a hiss tank and a half. Yeah. A mega hiss. So when yeah. Baroness blows the whistle on the Joe's position using a, a flare that sounds a lot more like a laser when she fires it. But getting past that, the whole base erupts with his tanks and um, Fang helicopters. And Cobra Commander rides inside a hiss that has a side door. Mm. And effectively, I'd say this is bigger than if you were to use the classified series HasLab hiss for your three and three quarter inch figures. This is a lot closer to if you were using mask figures. The cyber truck hiss. <laughs> it does have some of those angles, actually, now that you mention it. But yeah, this is a sort of command hiss, a toy that we wished existed, I guess. Just to have all that cool sort of interior space. Mm. Are nice. you guys anyway. excited about the uh, new classified hiss reveal? Did you guys buy into that? No. I'm not a classified series collector, Cooge. So that's Good my man. easy Good answer. Man. I like the classified. I just don't feel the need to own the his tank. Um, I'm more excited. There's something to me that's more excited, uh, more important than the, than the his tank. Yeah. yeah, like paying off your house. <laughs> that. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, Gary's asking Super Seven if you could hear us, make that his. Make that his. And might get off the ground better than the Cobra Mothership. Should we talk a little and bit about that, been... boys? Oh, Sag. did that crash and burn just like the, uh, the episode? It's funding up until the 11th of December by my... Uh, hey, maybe guys get the Christmas bonuses soon. And then they're all like... Mm. It is crunch time. It's do or die time. Um, so we're into our final two weeks. And well, it's I sitting at like 1,400 uh... of a 4,000 minimum order goal. Yeah, 1,443, 1,443 backers locked in at this point. It's crazy. They need, another, need another two and a half, basically. And um, just, just before we go off on too much of a tangent, let's just give this episode a review. <laughs> oh, yes. What, what do you give it out of five, Steve? Oh. Um, I liked it. It's, a, it's another... F Look, I'm going to have to downgrade my comic book score in order to give this one place of pride above it. So if this is a three out of five episode. Um, the comic book has to be two and a half. So I'm in line with you on that, Paul. Mm. Mm -hmm. For I'm me... The comic. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Paul. I just thought it was so cool seeing... Um, uh, what do you call it? What are the whales? So shortly after our episode with Gary and uh, issue 301... Like lots of whale action and wild bulls too. So that was fun. Anyway, I give it like, a, for me, it's a solid, like, it's like a, a it's a fall for me um, from the, from the cartoon side of things. Cause it's a good episode. It's a fun episode that polar bear is just, you know, pitch perfect. Love the polar bear, 
parks on the top of the whale at the end, <laughs> laughing. He can, you know, polar bear can sit wherever he wants. Those kind of lines. So, like, I love it. It was good. It made me feel wholesome. I was like, yay, I'm 10 again. It's a great show. Great Do you realize, though, Paul, that the Joes are massive dicks? Um, they are massive like, dicks, dude. This, this polar bear can, since, since we have destroyed this polar bear's natural habitat, he can, sit, he can sit wherever he wants on on our boat. Yeah. Like, yeah. the Joes have achieved what Cobra's endgame was in this episode by pushing the ionic adjuster to... Attractor. Uh, attractor. <laughs> God, the hour is early. Um, the ionic attractor to the maximum. Like, they've melted the polar caps. Guys, that's it. I've said this before. Cobra is just another branch. They... They're a bunch of actors. They're just doing a whole bunch of silly stuff. They just allow it gives GI Joe license to ruin the world, you know, just to further enforce capitalism. I mean, uh, anyway, well, let's get rid of that cynicism and move right along. The GI Joes are dicks, but we love them. Not always. They're not always dicks. Sometimes they're really great. Kuja's like he's um, just. Oh, I want to say something. No, no, no. Cynicism or realism. Uh... I'll, I go oh five five I'll five out of five it. I mean everybody did their job well. It, it opens up a huge Especially play Firefly. pattern for Firefly for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah yeah I like it. It I mean one thing that's that you're always reminded of in GI Joe is they introduced you to the world. I mean it was funny when we were watching the episode. My lady's like I don't think that's an African American voice actor. Of course it was Baron of the guys, but. <laughs> Um, but it, they they show you all sorts of the whole world. They show you different kinds of people working together. So five out of five for me. Cool. Oh, well, okay. Well, that that does raise the average a little bit. I know That's Ben's right. laying into me for my my rather moderate score. I guess it's because there are episodes that hit harder for me than this. Um, however, it does have the most delightful um, <laughs> bit of art that. I mean, I laughed out loud when I saw it. Um, oh, gosh. I can't share all of a sudden. Oh, there we go. All right. Let me find it quickly. Um, see if this guy catches your funny bones like it did for me. Lady J in the derpiest mm. rendering I've ever seen her. Uh, someone has got to meme this. Like, she, it's the Hi. eyes. Her eyes are spaced way too far apart oh, well, she's got a bit of a just drift. looking in two different directions that's all. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, and so easy for that to happen yeah. the expression of like <laughs> and like the fun. longest neck dude yeah yeah, yeah. there is like, some flagrant yeah. like 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 women bashing like flint and duke are mouthing off the top of the episode about lady j's flying ability yeah, they, they 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 don't use very flattering language. It's like mm, Chuck, my boy. That would not that that would probably get you cancelled these days, pal. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, after that, uh, what it would also possibly get him cancelled is Morgan Lofting in blackface or portraying a black character. Oh. But here on GI Joe Berg, we're going to steer clear of politics. Thank you very much. And move right on to our um, death adder conversation, the Cobra Saucer, the Cobra UFO. Yes, I'm still trying to fly that death adder name. Terrible. Um, never mind the fact that it's like a, the villain from Golden Axe, but who cares? Um, 
yeah, you guys were just saying like, uh, you know, it's got until what the 10th or the 11th of December to fund. Um, I'm yeah. hoping everybody got their full on black Friday, bought all the nice things they wanted. And now that now they've got money for something like the Cobra mothership. I hope that I hope they do. I really want to see this succeed. Yeah. Um, I can only hope that gentleman's here, but somebody in your uh, group on one pod mentioned it. It probably fat, sits on top of a rumba. Why didn't they do that? That is such a... <laughs> I mean, can you imagine them showing that? That's such an entire thing. You got people hanging off the side. You start cat pawing at people. Dude, dude. Yeah, your cat's like... It's too good. It's too good. Whoever said that, if you're here, next round's on me. <laughs> <laughs> for my like, part i am <laughs> i am as locked in as i need to be at this stage i have paid my deposits to aussie based pop culture and that's all you need to, to front up you can pay the rest as and when this thing ships which puts me in a very fortunate category of people who don't have to pony up like 600 us up front or 800 euro mark gave us that localized cost so it's a big ask for people who have to pay up front at this time of year um and and the negativity now of not seeing the, the needle move might make people who were interested in saving up the scratch and dumping it right at the end of the process um they might be gun shy now like that's a that's a mental a mental game that that a lot of people are playing. Like if you were keen at the outset of this campaign to see that it's not doing well, might make you write it off already prematurely. Like eh, it's not going to fund, so let me not even bother to, you know, throw my 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 dollars where my mouth is. Um, however, if it does start to climb, the FOMO then flips the other way. And you're like, okay, so it is going to happen. Then if this is going to exist, it needs to exist on my shelf. Assuming you have a shelf that deep. Where does this go? Where does this go? On top of your bed. It goes on your wall, bro. I'm gonna, If I got one, I mean, when I say if I got one, if I magically had the like the, the like bank to get one, it would go on the wall. I'd hang it on the wall. I'd make a, like, you know, Blunk. I'm going to take it down when I want to play with it. Blunk. That would be great. There's nowhere else Some I can put it. Some people say you should be able to park it on top of a pterodrome. I mean, if you manufacture some supports, maybe. I don't know if yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure you can 3D print something. But something mm-hmm. of that weight sitting on top of like 40-year-old plastic. Honestly, that's the biggest, like, how different is it as a playset from the pterodrome? Not much. Not much. To be it fair, flies. It's not a parking, and it's not yeah. a parking lot. However, I love we'll name, <laughs> just to Sorry. counter my own point, um, my, our most recent contribution from Cobra Lang in our Special Forces Playmotion um, playlist, if you would call it that, um, was this awesome sh- film that he shot with a friend of his called Ryan. Also, play motion, nice, laid back, cool visuals, lots of toys in play. And the crowning moment is a pterodrome basically flying. He sort of 
uh, well, the plot wow. it's called Operation Liftoff for a reason because it involves Destro's cockamamie idea to fly the Terradrome. <laughs> he must have watched Shield. Too cool, He's been hanging out with Shield too much. Dude, I'm all for it. When I got a flag, I was also big time into the Marvel Universe action figures. Um, and so that was a helicarrier. I would sometimes, mm-hmm. once my flag was set up, I would pretend that it's not riding on the waves, that it's in fact at 15,000 feet, 20,000 feet. I don't know. I'd be interested to see. I mean, I don't know if we're if we're closing down or whatever, but be interested to see if three hundred one and going forward, if they start to introduce new vehicles. Like, what's what's Skybound's mission? You know, with GI Joe, have has the Void Rivals has that captivated you guys? I'm an air rod diehard. I don't think I want to split my focus i don't know i haven't been intrigued enough it seems like the focus of that book is more heavily on transformers there will be some gi joe content we're we're assured um but i i think i'm more interested in seeing duke and cobra commander like those are the focuses of the new continuity that i'm curious about because like correct me if i'm wrong but like cobra commander takes a guy out into a parking lot in the preview and just straight up murders him um, to get his wow. his transport, and I theorized that he did it with a venom blaster because it kind of the blood, the blood makes a cobra symbol in the Ooh. snow, and wouldn't it be cutesy if that's what the venom blaster's kind of signature is that you blast a guy and like poof, be it wild. blows out his back in the shape of a cobra symbol. <laughs> <laughs> It would be a detective thing. They're like, where's the scorching? Well, the, the, the Venom Blaster has those kind of fins in the front, which, I don't know. It's like a, a kitty's stamp. You know? huh. No, I, I, I'm, I'll immerse myself once again in the G.I. Joe brand to see what happens. Uh, I'm interested in new looks. So hopefully that would be interesting. You know, bring us some new vehicles. They're, they're introducing some new characters. I mean, Mole Rat, I don't know how pervasive he's going to be, but it should be interesting. We now have zombies in G.I. Joe, a real American hero. They're leaning into that, so maybe mm-hmm. Mole Rat will find mm-hmm. its way in there. But yeah, I think Mole Rat will more specifically be a comfortable fit for the Energon universe because of the... I mean, we're told that there's not too much... Uh, collusion between the the action figure teams and the the comic book creative talent um but it's definitely in the waters that this dark energon idea from the toys is being picked up by the energon universe of the comic books so the one hand washes the the other they may as well try it again Mm -hmm. but i think it's time we start pointing our toes out the door unless anyone has anything that i'd like to mention um yeah. Um, I'll just say this. It's once again at the end of the year. And like, hey guys, not a pleasure, but an honor as well, chatting with you gentlemen every year. Uh, or oh, whenever we do. Bitch. But G.I. Joe community, don't 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 forget yourself. You guys are the best of the best. Um, we prove it all the time. Here we are. Uh, so I salute you guys. So just like Wild Weasel, I got another one for you. Nice. <laughs> And I'd like to salute the guys in the chat. Thanks very much for joining us live.
Yeah. Always appreciate the banter. Massive ledges. <laughs> no, you guys Ooh. are awesome. Um, just quickly on the way out, Steve, anything new in your life, toys wise? Um, no, I think I'll leave it. In the last two weeks, I have I celebrated a birthday, and I I don't feel I'm I'm at peace. I have so many cool toys. That I mean, I keep saying this, but mm. I don't really need any fresh plastic. I I like. I like the thrill of the chase. I certainly like picking up stuff in the flesh. But yeah, birthday come and came and gone, came and went. Black Friday came and went. I uh, I didn't pick up anything. I have had my eye on the All Striker Bumblebee Transformers XGI Joe smash up. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I feel like the price could be clearance down a little bit harder though. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm that kind of discount king now. I'm like. I'll pick up the lost scraps if there are lost scraps. If it's meant to be. Yeah, dude. And Roger um, Martinez, uh, you might have just jumped into the chats, but absolutely, I am on board with the Cobra Mothership. Doing my bit, I guess, to try and, and get it over the line. Um, I'm curious to see. I mean, it will be the biggest Hail Mary of any crowdfund uh, of this nature, I'd say, if it makes it. So... I hope it's close. I hope it's a nail bite. I hope it is down to the wire. I hope it doesn't just stall under two thousand and and be because it, it's an amazing piece. The amount of love and engineering that's gone into just the mock-ups um, and the physical model that they debuted, like it would be a real shame if it doesn't make it. But I can see that this is. I gotta dangle those O-rings though. Release the O-ring. Um, if if they release the O-rings, people would jump ship. Jump ship literally. <laughs> they don't want the mothership, they just want the, the, the new Viper. What's it called? A Viper Gunner? Mm. We can't just release yeah. the O rings, dude. There's a reason they tied. Anyway, Christoph says um, that the All Strikers are cheap on Amazon. Uh, I'm going to say not cheap enough for this thrifty guy. I want him at least yeah. 50%. Have you met my friend Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not spending um, more than $40. Uh, well, dude, at least you got a at least you got like a baseline for yourself, right? So, <clears throat> some okay. So two things: um, did the giant man get funded or not? I can't remember. It did. Hey, giant man, yeah, made it. Okay. See, I don't want to live in a world where in the giant last man gets two funded. hours. I think. Yeah, I see. That's the thing. I like. Let's hold out hope for the mothership, but I don't want to live in a world where the mothership doesn't get funded, but giant man does. Uh, that's a that's a dark place for society for civilization to live in. Anyway, there's about a three hundred and fifty dollar difference between the asking prices. Yeah, that's, I know, but one of them is definitely that ain't giant nothing. man. And anyway, um, giant man is an sorry. essential component. I'm gonna just fight you on this quickly, Paul. Giant man yeah. is an essential component of that classic 1960s Marvel Age Avengers lineup. If this was yeah. the only way you're gonna get him. You know, there's there's no, pull. No, I get that. No, I, I get don't that. Think I mean, enough people were asking for this mothership, and I'm going to pick up on something that was mentioned by Dave from Audible, uh, the Audible Insulude podcast, and he said that like this argument of, well, who asked for this is a bullshit argument because we don't mm. know a thing until it's out there. We didn't mm. know that know Empire Strikes Back was what we wanted in a Star Wars film until. George and Irvin Kirshner made Empire Strikes Back. 
Yeah. No, no, that's true. Like you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know, know that I wanted a cobra Thank flying you. base until, until you someone put in front of my eyes and said, This is what you want. And I'm like, damn straight I want that. Yeah, people don't you want wanted an a uh, what an asp? What are they called? Uh an aspid. Uh, aspid. Ugh. The Cobra Transport Helicopter, please. Mm -hmm. on this oh, podcast. we did know that. We did know that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Steve, no, I, I feel you. Like, I, I, I agree with that as well, because like, people don't know what they want. They just don't. If you work with clients, you, you learn that, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but show and us something just fully realized as this amazing mothership. And we're like, you know what? That's it. That's what I need. That's what Cobra needs. The earworm to get into every listener's head is Shakedown from Beverly Hills Cop. Shakedown, Shakedown. It's a good tune uh, just to go with today's episode. And this is the only cool new toy purchase I got recently. It's a, what is it, Paul? It's a premium Hot Wheels Ninja Turtles party wagon. It has got rubber wheels. It has the little door pops open. And the guns are adjustable. The guns are adjustable. Um, I want to liberate it from its package, but I'm... I also kind of don't. <laughs> I'm in a weird place with it. Um, but yeah, I got it. It's like super cheap. I want it on a local toy auction for like, well, less than I would have bought it uh, in the shops for. So that was cool. Um, so yeah, that was just a fun little like add to my collection, to my turtles side of things. Because, uh, you know, you, you don't see, like for me, this is a rare thing. I don't see like Ninja Turtle stuff ever for like Hot Wheels. So it was a nice <laughs> little school. Yeah, it was a fun little school. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of still secretly hoping that we get a bunch of backstock of the uh, nano vehicles of the G.I. Joe nano stuff because I see we got the Transformers stuff here. So we've got like Optimus and uh, Starscream and Bumblebee, those little nanos. And I keep thinking like I should get them just because of the scale fun. Like, you know, like, but anyway. I'm waiting for them to drop down in price. Although I suppose I should have gone to the shop on Black Friday because I absolutely avoided and detest the concept of Black Friday. Um, but uh, should crowds. have gone to check it out. Ah, it's not the crowds. I just I just find it pedacious. But anyway, I don't want to go into that whole thing now. Um, we watched an awesome episode of the cartoon. We read an awesome issue <laughs> of the book. And what? we endured... And not so great <laughs> issue of the comic book. So I'd say this was a great episode. And we checked out some amazing art. Thanks, Kujo, for bringing that Joe oh, Vamba yeah, goodness cool. to our attention. Um, anyone listening to this, watching this on the replay, check out Twitter. Check out those various artists um, that we featured and more. There's a lot of amazing original G.I. Joe art. You just have to know where to look. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This episode, a three out of four, because no Rob. Oh. And brought to you by Reese's or Reese's. And <laughs> no, brought to you by our Patreon. At Patreon. That's yeah. a list Thanks, of winners guys. right there. Big bots. Yo, and with that, we're out. Hmm. Berg. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Berg. 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 Berg.